On this Christmas episode of Rebooted, Nick Cage goes full George Bailey. Welcome everyone to Rebooted, the podcast where we are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. This episode, to wrap out the year, we're doing Y2K's The Family Man, starring Nicolas Cage, Taya Leone, Jeremy Piven, and Don Cheadle. Um, This is uh, a very fun kind of goofy Christmas movie that I think has gotten lost in the shuffle and I was excited to do it. Um, we, we were deciding between two and I picked the other one and then I went, why am I not talking about a Nicolas Cage movie? Like, I'm insane. Uh, and so we switched it up. Uh, had you seen this movie? I have seen this movie once before and I'm happy to say I think I was a little hard on it the first time I saw it because I remember thinking... I don't like this, but I think the problem is anytime, <laughs> anytime someone talks about this movie, they're like, oh, it's a classic. It's one of my favorites. And I feel like when I watch it, I'm like, this is not in the top 10 list for me. So I don't understand why, but maybe you can tell me why it's a classic. What's happening to me? Breathing to the bag, Jack. This kind of thing makes a lot of guys have to throw up. I've seen it happen before, okay? So if you feel the urge, you roll down the window and do it out there. But try not to get so worked up, Jack, okay? After all, you brought this on yourself. Brought one on myself. I didn't do anything. I got everything I need. That sound familiar? You mean because you thought I was cocky? I'm now on a permanent asset trap! Bag yourself, Jack. The way you intervened in that store last night, you did a good thing there, Jack. I mean, it was incredibly impressive. All the way across the board to the upper echelons of the organization, let me tell you. Please just tell me what's happening to me in plain English without the mumbo jumbo. This is a glimpse, Jack. A glimpse? A a glimpse of what? Well, you're going to have to figure that out for yourself, and you got plenty of time. How much time? As much time as it takes, which in your case is probably going to be considerable. This is what's going to be hard about convincing you whether this is a classic or not. Okay. It's Nicolas Cage, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he's he's basically retreading or kind of reversing It's a Wonderful Life, Mm -hmm. right? It's not necessarily the most original idea. No. But I think it's... I think the cast is so well put together and plays their roles so perfectly that... I kind of forget that if, you know, that it's kind of, you know, a little bit derivative. I, I actually get wrapped up in Nicolas Cage, like watching Nicolas Cage go to the suburbs. I thought you were going to gonna say, in. I forget it's a movie. And I, I forget. I, 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 it's, I'm just like, I'm there. I'm living in New Jersey. I'm in the Campbell's house. I'm in, I'm in, I'm smelling the smells of their wet dog. I'll say this. Um, I think Nick Cage's acting here is a double-edged sword because sometimes what he's doing can be a lot. And there are movies he's in where we watch it and we're like, okay, maybe that was a bit much. I think in this instance, it really works in his favor because there were points where I was like, this feels this feels like Nick Cage. This feels like who who he is as an actor. But if I was in his position, 
I would be acting a little crazy too. And so it makes his reaction, I think, is proportionate to the insanity of what's going on in the story. And so I think it was like, I recognize that it was a little over the top, like with the little Australian accent or whatever he throws into when he's talking to John, Don Cheadle, like, okay, it's a bit much, but watching it, I was like, how do I, how do I want a person like this in this situation to react? And I think I would prefer that they kind of lose their mind a little bit because this is insane. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I I think that's why I enjoy it. And I think picking Nicolas Cage to play that kind of uh, insanity is, is brilliant. And uh, that's why I put, I put this higher than maybe other people do because I just think it, uh, I don't know. I I, honestly, like how many good Christmas movies are there really? Like we we're going to have to talk about our top five because it's really like, there are a lot of good Christmas movies. (laughs) I mean, I feel like after a while, it's sort of like some of them get played out. Like some of them, there's some Christmas movies that are classics that I'm just like, please, please don't put this on. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Okay. Would you put this in your top five? Is this top five material? Oh, absolutely not. But (laughs) (laughs) I do think it it deserves more shine. I I think people sleep on it. Okay. um, All right, guys. That's it for today. No, that really felt like we were wrapping up. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Rebooted. I am Brian Flynn, and with me, as always, is Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? I'm doing great. The weather is cold. Christmas is Kentucky? here. Kentucky? Oh, it is so... I'll give you an example of how it is. I have been, not to brag, shooting on a film camera... <laughs> And I, there's this place I go in LA to get film developed and it takes one day max and is super cheap. And I just did the biggest search I could possibly do to figure out how to get my 35 millimeter film developed in Kentucky. I have to mail it off. There's no, (laughs) there's no one to do it here. So that's how things are. All right. All right. <laughs> you know, the, you go to the industry. The industry doesn't come to you, apparently. Like, That's you have true. To, you know? What about L.A.? How is L.A. Christmas? L.A. is uh, probably just as cold as Kentucky. Oh. Uh, we're, all, we're all dying here. Everyone is, uh, everyone okay. is sick, um, whether it's flu or COVID or the new baby one. What is it? H, H, RSV? HRS. It's RSV. CBS. Yeah. UCB. <laughs> HBO Max. Um, uh, HBO Max the- is a disease. Did you see all of the like cuts they made where they just took shows oh, yeah, off yeah, of yeah. the platform? You know, Guys. we. Th- this is a nice segue. Uh, let, let's rewind it. For those of you who have never listened to this podcast, for some reason are joining us on this this very special Christmas episode. Uh, Ken and I are going to pick a, a classic movie and talk about it as if it was to be remade today. But before we do, we generally talk a, some business about the industry. Uh, one of the items is this new DC thing. Mostly, like it's going to be all Warner's talk. Do you, should we just talk about that first, or do you want to stick to the stick to the rundown? Um, no, we can do that first. Um, they made a bunch of announcements this week that essentially called the era of for the especially for their they're transitioning especially in their superhero market they have hired james gunn under a deal 
to reinvent the DC universe. And James Gunn said, we're not doing that, 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 or that. And now Henry Cavill's no longer Superman. Honestly, I'll say it. Thank God. (laughs) But they also like canceled several sequels in development and are. uh, Canceled the Michael Keaton Batman sequel. Yeah. And a Batman Beyond adaptation. And now Ben Affleck is going to direct a Batman movie or some such. Wait, what? Did you not hear about this? No, what? That's what that's what I heard. That's what I heard. But at this point, it's all speculation because also still Robert Pattinson's sequel, which is also coming out. Plus, there's going to be like two more Joker movies or something. I just it's so interesting. To. I think see something that maybe fans of the DC universe wanted to see, which was something new and different and not the Snyder universe, Snyderverse. And now that it's kind of happening, it's also like hacking off limbs. Like we're not, we're not doing the things that maybe people were kind of excited about and everything is changing. And that's just the nature, I guess, of, of how, franchises have to reinvent themselves and reboot and try to make some money off of this. This also is speaking to a larger issue that's going on with Warner brothers, um, which is basically like having been uh, now after this merger or acquisition from discovery is like, they're also kind of slashing and burning the most beloved thing about Warner's, which is which was HBO Max and HBO Max is like original programming and, and their library of movies. And basically, like they're taking shows off the air because they don't want to pay royalties to the artists who made it. They and the creators who made made those um, projects. They're canceling shows in the middle of production that were like wildly popular. They just canceled Minx like a week uh, before they were wrapping season two, they are pulling, they pulled, um, West, they're pulling Westworld off the platform. They're pulling the Ridley Scott wolves TV show, which I never watched. Um, mm-hmm. but like they're, they're slowly like dismantling their streaming service. And so I just sort of feel like it, this is a really crazy time for Warner's discovery specifically dc yeah it's like we're gonna hack off a limb here and a limb there but we're gonna keep the spleen we're gonna (laughs) put in a new brain like the interesting Mm -hmm. thing is like i i like james gunn i i think his brand of films are are quite enjoyable you know they're not my favorite but i've seen most of them i think he's probably the right guy to to do this i think he has a you know an understanding of who these characters are and and um He's been around the block in terms of the big machine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to note he's been on this job for about a month. He's very vocal on Twitter, which is very is now at, to the at the time of this recording trending hashtag Fire James Gunn. He's only he's been <laughs> on the job a month, yeah, and already people are calling for his head. But he so he made the very critically acclaimed Suicide Squad sequel. Mm-hmm. And then produced and directed a spin-off TV show on HBO Max for the Peacemaker character starring John Cena. His wife 
is in that show. She's like the number two actress in that show. Who's his wife? I don't know this. Uh, she plays the the um, federal agent or the government agent basically tasked to like babysit him. James Gunn, wife. The- Tell me, Google. Jennifer Holland. Yes. Don't know her. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but I'm just wondering. So it's like, okay, Henry Cavill's out. Is Jason Momoa out? Is Gal Gadot out? I mean, Patty Jenkins exited Wonder Woman 3 due to, you know, whatever the plan oh, was. Like she Wonder couldn't... Woman 3 is just like no longer happening. Yeah, maybe. So that what does that mean for Gal Gadot? What does that mean? I mean, is Ezra Miller still around? Like, please no. Like <laughs> this to me <laughs> just sort of feels the like only one they kept. They were like, uh, oh, we need we need this. <laughs> Wow, only problematic actors in the DCU. So it's Ezra Miller, <laughs> Amber Heard, uh, Casey Affleck replaces Ben Affleck, and uh, Mel Gibson yeah, hops in there. Mel Gibson is Jarrell. Um, I just feel like if you're going to start fresh, just start fresh. Instead, it, it's like everyone is assuming that they're going to keep some things and not everything. Does James Gunn fire his wife? From, does he cancel the TV show that he's a producer on and that his wife is a, is a star in? Sometimes you have to, you got to make decisions. I, I do yeah, wonder, I, though, if this is the beginning of many, because Henry Cavill's like announcement on Instagram was sort of like, just had a meeting, found out. It, it, I'm not saying these are the exact words, but it kind of sounded like, found out that I'm not in the plan for what's coming next it's not going to work out sorry about that and i just kind of wonder if maybe there are more meetings to come in which it'll be like hey you you might have been a title character but you're not this isn't part of what we want to do so i i but but what's weird is that so they are going to make a superman movie Mm -hmm. um the rumor is that James Gunn is going to direct it or write it himself. And they just want a younger Superman. Okay. Okay. Oh, you mean like it is going to be a, are we talking like Smallville Superman or like, do they literally just want a younger actor? Cause that's insane. I I think they just want a younger actor because they're assuming that this thing is going to go on for 10 years. So it's like, let's get someone in their early thirties to play this role for like 12, 12, hopefully plus years. Henry Cavill, unfortunately is what? Like 44, not that old. Um, Ancient. So ancient Ancient in Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Who knows what's going on behind the closed doors of the Warner brother offices? Um, I don't. I say in the shadow of the Warner Brothers Valley. I'm literally between <laughs> the two Warner Brothers lots. Um, all right, moving on. Easy Rider reboot. Holy shit. I texted you this a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. So, like, uh, uh, like my eyes, my head inverted inside out. Uh, <laughs> this is from a couple weeks ago, um, late November. Easy Rider, oh, from Variety. Easy Rider reboot in the works. Rights holders to update Dennis Hopper, Peter Fonda classic. A reimagining of the classic 1969 counterculture film Easy Rider is an early development Variety has learned. Consortium of s- stakeholders and producers, including Maurice 
Fadidas, Kodak Pictures, Defiant Studios, Eric B. Fleischman, and the Jean Boulier Group. Boulier. Uh, Bull own the group own the adapt own the adaptation rights to the project originally released by Columbia Pictures. Uh, I don't want to read this whole thing, but basically, long story short, Easy Rider was a seminal piece of film in American cinema history. Mm-hmm. Basically, changed the way people saw what movies would be about. It opened up cinema to a voice to a generation. That was very counterculture, very anti-war, very uh, anti-corporation, and it sparked this sort of new movement in cinema. Oh, we represent to them, man, as somebody who needs a haircut. Oh, what you represent to them is freedom. What the hell's wrong with freedom, man? That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it's all about, all right. But talking about it and being it, that's two different things. I mean, it's real hard to be free when you are bought and sold in the marketplace. I haven't seen this movie in years. I don't believe I enjoyed it, but I think I watched it incredibly young. Like, I think I watched it when I was like 16 and I got easily bored. Um, I'm sure if I watched it now, I would sort of get the deeper meanings and the context behind it. Um, What do you think, Kenna, of the Easy Rider reboot? I mean... I think it's easy to look at a movie that was very significant in its time and be like, we need one of these, but why don't we just make that movie for this generation and not make, because they, in the article, it says that they're using the relationship between Creed and Rocky, Creed being the new series and Rocky as like the relationship between these two movies. And I just don't think... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is some sort of connection between the movie and then today's sort of like wanderlusty hippie culture that um, we can make that connection. But I just don't think anybody is asking for this. It feels like one of those things that's like somebody was just like, you know what we haven't done yet. So... Feels like a cash grab. And I... Uh, <laughs> uh, Dennis Hopper, deceased. Peter Fonda, deceased. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson, famously retired from acting. I think he's close to being in his 80s. Um, this doesn't seem like a pass-the-torch project. This seems like you need to completely just remake this movie but it also doesn't seem like motorcycle culture is the counterculture that young people gravitate towards it just sort of feels like hey fellow youths uh, you know <laughs> we're a movie we're a reboot too yeah um, i don't get it this 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 kind of project to me is sort of the reason we exist you know mm-hmm. it's it's like my ire for this kind of idea is is yeah. probably the reason that we talk about it. This does not need to happen. It's also, it feels like one of those movies where we'd be like, easy rider, right? Like, they're never going to reboot this movie. And then don't count anything out. Um, speaking of passing the torch, uh, I threw this in here as a bonus because it's kind of insane. Um <laughs> 
but Antonio Banderas, I guess, was he's promoting the new Puss in Boots movie, as you do. And uh, he was asked about. I mean, does it need promotion at this point? Like, we're all going to see it. Right. Like, there, it's. Sit it's down, just... Avatar. <laughs> One ticket for Puss in Boots, please. <laughs> Our box office hit has a lie. <laughs> um, somebody asked him about if he would consider the possibility of, of rebooting Zorro or bringing it back. And he said he would love to do it. He would love to do what Anthony Hopkins did for him and that movie from the 90s um, and pass the torch. And he said he thinks Tom Holland... British actor, white British actor, Tom Holland would be a great Zorro. And maybe he's right. Maybe this is just like the, his Zorro reverse where like Anthony Hopkins, white British man plays a man named Diego de la Vega who (laughs) passes the torch to Antonio Banderas. And now this is the pattern. Then uh, Antonio Banderas passes the torch to a, a white British man Maybe and that's how it works. And then when Tom Holland's what, like sixty-five, they'll be like, "Hey, let's do a movie where you pass it to this like cool young Hispanic actor." I don't know. That's hilarious. That that's the only reason. That would, like this definitely now in that context feels like a great meta quote to be like, "Hey, remember when Anthony Hopkins played Zorro?" <laughs> this is called a training circle, the master's wheel. The circle will be your world your whole life till I tell you otherwise there is nothing outside of it Captain Love is there is nothing outside of it Captain Love does not exist until I say he exists as your skill with the sword improves you will progress to a smaller circle with each new circle your world contracts bringing you that much closer to your adversary that much closer to retribution I like that part yeah, no, I obviously I think he was just like caught off guard and just said the first name that he remembered. He was like, <laughs> I did Uncharted with this kid. Yeah. I saw him jump around. I did this movie, like, Uncharted. Did you see it? And this oh, person yeah. said. <laughs> this person was like, Ew. Oh, I, I, I keep meaning to click on it. It's on Netflix. Oh, yeah, it's, in my, it's on my list. It's on my list. <laughs> Um, many things Tom Holland can play. I believe I think he's a very, very talented man. Zorro, no, 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 no. But there's there's way too many famous and and interesting Latin actors who could do. Th- I do think we should have a Zorro. Like, why aren't why isn't there a Zorro? A hundred percent. Like, I don't know what we said about it when we rebooted it, but I do think it. There's, it is ripe for picking as far as reboots go. But yeah. I don't know. Is he the only person mm. who's talking about it? Yeah, I wonder who asked this question. We find Speaking out later. It was like it was dot com. It was it was an exec. They planted it. <laughs> it's an MGM exec. Just hey like, guys, hey, uh, we Zorro? a Zorro movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well. Maybe down the road. Uh, maybe maybe we'll do a double feature with easy the Easy Rider reboot <laughs> to get the youth. You know what the youth really want? Easy Rider and Zorro. Those are the those are the properties. Kids that, are uh, going to movies. We have for. to get them back. What are we gonna do? <laughs> 
Let's uh, we'll do bringing up baby and Das Boot, and we'll uh, you know, night at the opera. I don't get the youth streaming in. Okay, uh, it's Christmas time. Let's talk about a Christmas movie. You ready? Mm-hmm. You ready to do this thing? Yeah, let's do it, guys. This is a reboot of The Family Man. You're not really my dad, are you? No, I'm not. I work on Wall Street. You know, with the big buildings. And I live in an apartment with a doorman. And I can buy almost anything I want. This isn't my life. It's it's just a glimpse. Where was my real dad? I don't know. But don't worry. He loves you. And I'm sure he'll be back very soon. They did a pretty good job. Who did? The aliens in the metal ship. He looks just like him. Thanks. Slightly better looking though, right? Oh, oh no, you're not gonna start crying, are you? I, I don't think I could really deal with that right now. On a case-by-case basis. Do you know how to make chocolate milk? I think I could figure it out. Promise you won't connect me and my bottle and plant stuff in our brains? Sure. Um, I feel like little Annie actually brings up a really good point in this scene. She assumes in her child mind that if this man is not acting like her dad, that in her child mind that has been shaped by the late nineties in which she was born, he has been replaced by aliens. And honestly, this movie does so little to explain what's actually happening at this point. I don't know. Was Don Cheadle an alien? I have no idea. What actually happens in this movie? I I think it is more religious because in the scene where Jack meets Cash, as they're walking outside um, and talking about, you know, and Jack is trying to save Cash from his, his you know, criminal ways um there's a huge lit cross above them yes so i think it's pretty clear that this is more uh this is more angelic work you know work of uh miracle workers so why don't why don't we get that they dance around it like don Cheadle's like oh you doing a really good thing really hit all the way to the upper echelons of whatever. And we're like, okay, so you're going to say like, oh, I work for God. I'm an angel. But no. Why? I mean, like Clarence makes it so 
clear not to compare it to it's a wonderful life but let's compare it to it's a wonderful life like clarence makes it so clear what he's there for and who he is and this just is this is just like super wacky like don Cheadle's even like i can't i can't tell you what to do you just kind of have to figure it out which feels like his message to the audience of like you're just gonna have to you're just gonna have to figure this out I, I, I see that point. I, I, maybe it's like the customer service over the years has kind of, you know, tanked. Clarence basically laid it out. I'm an angel. I'm here to get my wings. I need you to, 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 I need to save you so I can become a higher angel. Cash is basically like, I have shit to do. <laughs> like you, you might not even be my most important guy. Like I, I, I gotta go. You'll figure it out. You'll be fine. I agree, but I also, like, I don't need it. Like, it, it is hard not to compare this to It's a Wonderful Life. It's basically reverse It's a Wonderful Life. A selfish person mm-hmm. encounters a spiritual being, a, a magical, I almost said magical black man, but he kind of is well, a magical black I, man. I mean, he is magic and a black man. Yes. Um, and is zips into the life of his most selfless person. I don't need to know whether it's aliens or not. I, we know it's not aliens. We know <laughs> 100% it's not aliens. We know it's angels. We know it's Christmas miracle shenanigans. Um, I think it's, you know, this was made in 2000. I don't think people, I mean, there was a few movies made about angels. And I feel like at the time people didn't care about those movies. Like, uh, uh, angels in the outfield people don't care <laughs> what was that nick cage movie where he plays an angel oh with meg ryan oh what is that called city of city of angels yeah city of angels 1998 soundtrack by google dolls yeah i mean <laughs> all like these it, things it, they make sense Maybe my memory of, of, you know, from 20 plus years ago isn't that great, but I just sort of feel that like angels as a trope was not something that people were like running to theaters for. So they, they just dialed it back. So, so that you were not focused on like, well, if angels exist, does God exist? And if God exists, then like, why is he playing tricks on people on Chris? Like, why does, why do they keep doing this? Like, I'm fine with it sort of being completely subtext, even though it's, you know, there's the bell, the bell uh, trope is in there. Uh, Don Cheadle is constantly trying to get people to do, do the right thing. Like he's constantly like, look at the ticket. The ticket is good. Give me my money. Stop being racist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, little girl, uh, I obviously gave you too much money. Like maybe say something and I'll give you a, a, a wish. I think I think it's pretty clear, right? I mean, I think maybe my instinct is selfish in that I would like Don Cheadle to be in this movie more. I think his character should be more present. I want to see him pop in and out of of this man's life a little bit more. What what do you want? What do you want to carry that gun around for anyway? You're just going to wind up doing something you regret. Talk to the wrong person about regrets, Jack. I mean, there must be programs out there and... um... Uh, opportunities. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you actually trying to save me? <laughs> this is bananas. This man thinks I need to be saved, yo! <laughs> Everybody needs something. Yeah? Well, what do you need, Jack? 
Me. You just said, everybody needs something. I got everything I need. Wow, it must be great being you. I'm not saying that you'd be able to do it without some hard work, some honest hard work, and, and possibly some medicine. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna really enjoy this. You just remember that you did this, Jack, okay? You brought this on yourself. But I think like the difference between this movie and It's a Wonderful Life is that Clarence is really acting as a guide. Mm -hmm. He's really walking hand in hand with George Bailey through memory lane, being like, if you weren't here for this moment, you know, your brother would die. If you weren't here for this moment, this man would poison all these kids. If you weren't here, your <laughs> wife becomes a librarian and she never <laughs> marries. Like, it, it, that to me is more of like a handheld uh, look in the mirror. Whereas this is just like, I kind of want to watch Nick Cage um, have to understand like why he married Taya Leone. Like, why does he live in New Jersey? Why does he drive a minivan? Why does he work at a tire store? Like to me, that is a little more compelling of like him trying to solve the mystery of his life and how it differed. And so that by the end, he realizes like he chose someone else over his own life, which is why he got here. And that it is more valuable to him than anything he could own or buy to me really sells that movie. So I don't like, yes, as much as I would love Don Cheadle to come in and like poke at things. I don't know if you like need it, right? Like it's more about the character in this strange environment trying to like sink or swim that I find more interesting. But yes, more Don Cheadle would be great. <laughs> I think I, I see what you're saying about why the movie is why it makes this movie unique. I think the amount that his character is in here, you could honestly just remove him at this point And we'd just be like, OK, Christmas magic made this man and gave this man a glimpse. And yeah, it could be like someone at his office says something to him and he thinks about it on his brain and then he goes to bed and he wakes up on the thing but um i don't know i think he's in there enough because okay. it's like i don't know if you say so if there was five percent more don Cheadle, would you say this was a christmas classic <laughs> probably not okay all right <laughs> well why don't we just start getting into it uh, let's start with Jack Campbell played by Nicolas Cage, who was 36 when this movie came out, mm -hmm. which is crazy how much I just sort of feel like Nick Cage always looked older. Like it's like there's moonstruck Nicolas Cage raising Arizona, Nicolas Cage, who's like a young man. Yeah. And then from like 19, from like the rock to about, uh, 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 2010 looked like he was 45 years old <laughs> and then now he kind of looks definitely more like he's you know in his 60s but um i feel like I just, what you I just was said like, how is he not how is he not like 40 years old is a great compliment for someone to look 45 for approximately you know 20 years of his life <laughs> not bad yeah. um yeah, you're right. This is definitely like phase two of his life where he's not the sort of like young, whimsical 
type of actor, but he's he's really using, I think, both parts of his of what he has to offer. Like he has great dramatic acting chops, but also I think just very like natural comedic talent to be kind of wacky when he needs to be. And I think it it really works well in the movie. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, he's going to go down as like one of the, probably one of the best American actors. I mean, awards wise, hasn't really gotten there yet, but like we love watching his movies. He's Mm -hmm. just, and, and this is what's so strange around this time of his career. He was doing movies like Snake Eyes, 8mm, Bringing Out the Dead, Gone in 60 Seconds. And then he's like, I'll do The Family Man. <laughs> and then, you know, he, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, The Wind Talkers, <laughs> Adaptation, Matchstick Men. Like, this to me is just like, where did this, was this like around the time he just was like, I have to sell all my dinosaur bones? Like, I'm so fucked financially that I, I'll just do... <laughs> Because this this movie also is like this is a this is a big budget movie for a Christmas movie mm-hmm. that I mean let's see what the budget was like they don't make the, they don't make these movies anymore you know what I mean like this is this is this movie would be on Apple Plus um, oh yeah I mean in general the Christmas movie market is booming on streaming services. Not in just, theaters, but I just watched. Yeah, I was just watching this. I was just like, man, the budget on this must have been so wild. I don't know why. Like that scene we watched at the top of the episode where it was like Don Cheadle and Nick Cage in a Lamborghini driving around in the empty streets of New York City, like literally driving around like the World Trade Center with no one around like that alone must have cost like six million dollars for the day. They shot on Christmas. They, they were shot like, on the- this is the only way the only you're going to have to work on Christmas. Because, you know, New York is famous for abandoning its streets on Christmas. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, who wants to go first? Um, you go first. I'll go first. Um, so we were talking about, you know, how Nick Cage plays it and how you enjoyed sort of the level of insanity that his, his Jack takes on because it helps you buy into the, like, this is, this is strange. Like this is physically metaphysically like impossible. Um, and so it's, it's hard to kind of, it's hard to recast Nick Cage. Like he's just one of those guys. He, he, um, but I was looking for someone who I think could play the sort of three aspects of Jack. The first time you meet him, he's this suave, successful, drippingly rich uh, man, like uh, metropolitan, a king of industry kind of Mm -hmm. guy. Then he gets zooped into the alternate reality and is fully having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. Um, Acting is insane, loopy eyed, crazy wackadoo. Mm-hmm. And then he settles into the the task at hand of like living this life and coming out the other side, you know, a softer, more selfless um, person. And that's not easy to, I mean, it, and also sort of be like a leading man at the same time. Um, that's, that's tricky, but I ended up, 
cheating a little bit <laughs> because Uh-oh. I um I thought of this actor because of his recent appearance in a Nick Cage movie, but the more I thought about it, I thought I would really enjoy watching him play this role. I picked Pedro Pascal. Yes. Yes. I I definitely see where that's coming from. I mean, cuz I feel like you have to pick someone who is a really talented like dramatic actor but is also like a little wacky and i think if there's anything he's shown us in his career pedro pascal is not afraid to get a little wacky he's not afraid to get strange and i think uh you know i think i always think of pedro pascal as sort of this you know debonair kind of you know he's from he was born in chile and he you know he speaks spanish but then it's like he grew up in orange county you know what i mean like (laughs) he is a completely normal person and that to me was just like i think that sells it for me is that like i can see him driving his lambo and like telling his escort (laughs) to like come back christmas morning was that an escort or like a girlfriend because she showed up pretty i don't i couldn't tell if he was like paying this woman for her company or not. I mean, my assumption is no. Cause he could, he's just like, he could get anyone he wants. I think it's, of. I think we're supposed to see him not as like, Oh, like he, he pays for his company, but more just like, he's got girls on the line. Last night was incredible. Huh? I said last night was great. You are an amazing lover. Thanks. You know, bad yourself. I want to see you again. I'd like that, too. Tonight. It's Christmas Eve, Jack. So I'll pour eggnog over you. (laughs) I have to go visit my parents out in Jersey. Jersey? Do you have any idea what the traffic's going to be like? That's why I'm taking the train. It's nice meeting you, Jack. In my version, I kind of, I'm wondering, like, is it, is it, better or worse if jack pays for sex because it's just so much sadder it's I just mean, so much sadder if he knows he what he like <laughs> you know what i mean and then there's just like holy shit like i walked away from the love of my life and becomes more of a, a monogamous i don't know um that's neither here nor there but that's who i picked excellent choice i think i did love him in what was that movie he did with Nicolas Cage? It had a crazy title. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yes. I think he's super enjoyable in that. They both are. But um, yeah, I mean, I think he also became America's favorite dad a little bit as the Mandalorian. <laughs> That's true. So he can take care of a child. He can be soft. Um, soft. Yeah, I think you're right that it it takes like a personality to do something like this because I don't know, like there's just something so specific about Nick Cage, especially him like breathing into a bag in the passenger seat of a Ferrari, like having a panic attack. Like I, I just kept trying to put someone in those shoes and it, it was difficult, but I really wanted to pick someone that I think maybe even if we haven't seen them do comedy outright that I just think is a funny person who could do the sort of like 
soul-crushing dramatic revelations as well as you know change a diaper for the first time he he ho ho so scary um i can't believe they showed the full dump (laughs) (laughs) they said you're gonna look at it and Um, and the little kids the little it was like this is a full little kid that okay i did actually i did actually wonder about that because i was like that does not feel like something that is allowed right Uh, i I actually don't know but i hope it was a fake baby (laughs) actually probably um but anyway i picked daniel kaluuya oh okay i uh tremendous tremendous actor definitely not who i was like thinking you would pick um definitely on the younger side too that's the other Mm -hmm. thing about this movie that was tripping me out i was like Tay Leone's 32, Nick Cage is 36. Like there was a point in the movie where they're like, you're in your 30s, you're you have a family. And I was like, he's in his 30s. Like that felt like, you guys weird. Should be going out. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm definitely You guys like, shouldn't a, have kids, right? I'm definitely right? on the on the later stage adult of <laughs> the 30s being like kids. Ugh. Um No, but that that I mean, I think that would be really interesting to see a incredibly so person I think to be like an incredibly serious, mm-hmm. serious actor to then take on kind of a more uh, whether deliberately humor, like, you know, whether whether it's like he what am I trying to say? Like, Jack isn't a funny <laughs> character. The situation is, is funny, yes. like watching him kind of play in that kind of world would be would be incredible to watch like i think the funniest thing daniel kaluuya has said was like his oscar speech when he thanked his parents for having sex and <laughs> it was like okay like it was a weird but thing I think to say but that like that would you see him in interviews and interacting with his cast members on like press it just feels like he has a very fun side that we don't see in movies because he is cast as this like very, very dramatic actor. And I don't know, like, I I think he's, I think especially because like I was rewatching Nope recently and I was like, this guy's funny. Like this is, it's, it's a dry sort of like deadpan humor coming from the character, but it is super intentional and, I think he's got, I think he's got levels. Yeah, no, I agree. I would, excuse me. I would totally watch him fucking read the phone book, but the phone book that he gets in an alternate universe self, you know, like him being like, why did I, this is a bad joke. I'm going to bail on this. <laughs> I'm going to cut this off. Um, no, I think that's an excellent pick. Uh, let's move on to Kate Reynolds. Slash Kate Campbell, I guess, um, played by Taya Leone. Um, holy shit, Taya Leone is like. This is the one unbelievable thing for me about this movie, as someone who's always had a crush on Taya Leone, is like you don't say no to Taya Leone. You don't like mm-hmm. just peace out at the airport on Taya Leone. Unless you're, I guess, unless you're David Duchovny, uh, but like. Wait, were they together in real life? They were together for a long time, and, and he, then he like, was a bad cheated guy. on her Uh-oh. all the time. 
And it's like, come on, dude. Like, I don't know. So it was hard. It was hard for me to kind of be like, it, like, I don't know. It's just one of those. I think she was just so well cast that you're, when you, when you, uh, when he goes back into that world, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, it, it was so obviously set up that he made a huge mistake. The only thing, though, I, I do think her character needs to be judged a little bit because she's so magically perfect. Like, she's not a manic mm. pixie dream girl, but it's basically like everything about her is almost like kind of a, a you know, a heteronormative dream wife. Like, she's also she constantly wants to have sex all the time mm. she uh is you know i don't know what I, what i'm trying to say but you know like you know, her her job is like i'm a nonprofit lawyer i'm and i'm like fully good i don't do anything for money i do things for the idea yeah. like does that make sense am i making she's, any sense yes she's not complicated and so she doesn't bring a lot of of conflict to the table and I think like as a result, watching her have these experiences where he is acting like a like an actual alien, I was like, how how are they not having a conversation? I desperately want to see them have a conversation that's like, hey, are you okay? Yeah. That's like what, that's she what... doesn't even she is so maybe they're going for so like mom brain, so busy just trying to like operate that she doesn't even notice how weird he's being but at a certain point i was like you have to know he's being crazy i i woke up this morning here and this is very strange because this isn't my house ah those aren't my kids i'm not dad I, I i i'm not a dad you're you're not my wife you know what jack it's not funny this time because i am really mad I mean, really mad. I mean it. I, I don't even. I, what? What's that? I like it. Thanks, Dad. That's mine. Hey, I need that back. She took my bell. You missed the whole thing the pancakes and the presents. You spent six hours putting that bike together for Annie, and then you didn't even get to see the look on her face when she opened it. You missed Christmas, Jack. I think, like, watching her kind of be oblivious to all this, I just, I I didn't really feel bad for her. I think I just was upset that the writers aren't giving her a little bit, especially because that's great conflict for the movie to be like, who are you? And what have you done with my husband that he has to like worm his way out of? Interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely think that Kate needs to kind of be like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- why, why are you, why did you abandon me Christmas morning? I mean, they do have that kind of conversation, but it's not so much like, are you okay? It's like, how could you have done this to me? Yeah. How could you have forgotten our anniversary? It's like, why did you forget our anniversary? Are you okay? You have been kind of bug-eyed for the last two months walking around the house. Um, yeah, I think that that kind of 
grounding would be good. Uh, who did you pick for Kate? I think, I think when I think of Kate, like the three different versions of her essentially that we see as like a younger woman who just like is ready to start her life with this man. And then they've been, you know, married for how long is it? 10 years, something like that. Yeah. And then the sort of, uh, no Nick Cage version, which she's just like this, like super powerful lawyer. I, she is, she is doing a lot, I think to be both like, the cute girl next door who kind of transforms into this like super mom, super wife woman and is also in another world. Like the, the lawyer who's just like leaving the country cause she's got nothing else going on. Um, and so I just, I wanted to pick someone who I think also still has that like little comedic quirk to them that makes those interactions between Jack and Kate really fun. Um, I picked Amanda Seyfried. Hmm. That's funny. I picked, uh, I'm going to talk about your pick in a sec, but I also picked a mean girl alum as well. <laughs> so I'll just leave that out there. But Amanda Seyfried, I think is, is great. Um, she's great. If you haven't seen the dropout. Yeah, that's, I, she's I think wonderful. like, she she had such a I think she's navigating her career really well where it was like, oh, we need you to play like the really pretty kind of ingenuity, you know, uh, Jane Austen roles. And now it's like, do you want to do some weird character shit? Like, do you want to get like kind of funky? Um, also, though, another kind of like ultra physically attractive human being that would be like no no dude would walk away from you at an airport. Like, I don't care how many yeah. Parisian women there are. Like, I don't know. I, um, that's just me. That's just me kind of being 20 years old again. Um, <laughs> your advice to 20 year old Nick Cage would be like, what's wrong with you, dude? <laughs> I, I, I just, no, I think she could totally handle like a more modern version of this character that would just, mm -hmm. you know, try and figure out just kind of like, can we get my husband back to reality where you can function? Because we have two young kids and like one is a baby. Like we need to, we need to be a team <laughs> here, bud. We need to fucking hunker down. Um, I did think one of, uh, you know, the thing about Kate that is, I do enjoy in this movie is like the idea that she is in on the idea that their life is already envious. I think mm -hmm. that was like a really good moment for her to kind of be like, you know, Jack wants to live in the big city. He wants to live in the big penthouse. And for some reason, Kate does not want to live in New York city. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. Weird to me, but that's fine. Um, well, they didn't want to, they didn't want to raise the kids here. That's what she says. Right. And they don't want to leave, take her out of the, the school that their daughter likes and the friends that they have. And, you know, but, you know, she lays down the hammer when she, you know, she says like, you know, the Jack is like, I want a life where people can be jealous of us. And mm -hmm. she's like, they already are. Like, it is weird how Jack and Kate are like 
the king and queen or the the mayor and mayoress of like Livingston, New Jersey. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like they run that fucking town. It's I did find that whole conversation really fascinating, though, because there was a part of me that was like, maybe I don't understand. There's just like a deeper issue issue with her. We're not getting to because first of all, he did like give up his very successful career to go help out at the tire shop. And so like, this isn't a dream that he gave up. It was just something that was deferred. And so it shouldn't be crazy that this is something you would jump at, but also couldn't like, they're going to be so wealthy. Why could they not keep the house in Jersey? Yeah. I just, I felt like we were thinking inside the box a little bit when the money they were about to have allows them to think, way outside of it and she was just like no i'm talking about a perfect life a great life everything we pictured when we were young the whole package you said so yourself life has thrown us a few surprises so we made sacrifices well guess what now i can finally get us back on track i can do that kate i want to do that i i need to do that as a man for all of us please just think about this for one second no more lousy restaurants. No more clipping coupons. No more shoveling snow. Then get a goddamn snowblower, Jack. Don't go get a new career without even telling me about it. And don't, don't take Annie out of a school that she loves and don't move us out of a house we've become a family in. You're... you're... Don't you see? I'm talking about us finally having a life that other people envy. Oh, Jack. They already do envy us. I agree with you 100%. I would just like to say, as someone who has relatives in central and northern Jersey, you can commute to New York City fairly quickly. It's kind of how it's set up. Like, it, it, yeah. it, it's not that tricky. An hour on the train... Maybe, you know, 40 minutes in the car, maybe that's completely doable. And you can still have the crazy job and not work at the tire store like that. That to me is just like, I I don't know how many women would be like, don't take this job because I want to live in New Jersey. Like, take this job. Let's make way more money. Let's make way more fucking money and we'll figure out the house stuff later. It was such an old fashioned, I think, thought process of like, well, I just always imagined we would stay in this house forever and ever and ever. And I was just like, girlfriend, no, think of everything you can be doing to which is not to say that they wouldn't have to work other things out. But like, it just it it felt like we weren't having a real conversation. (laughs) I know that's true. Um, Do you want to guess who I picked since I gave you a clue? Rachel McAdams? I did pick Rachel okay. McAdams, which to me felt a little one to one. But what I w- like about Rachel McAdams is, you know, maybe this is a bit of a typecast in her career, but I, I just sort of feel like um, I don't know. I just think she plays common sense really well. Like we're mm-hmm. talking about this, this whole idea of like, we need to kind of like have realistic conversations in this movie about like, why is Jack just pouring bourbon down his throat as the minute he arrives at a Christmas party at his neighbor's house? Um, 
I just thought that she, you know, I've seen her a thousand times kind of, you know, I, I can't name one, but you know, to me, I just thought <laughs> that she would be someone that could be more of a common sense, you know, Kate. You're right that she is often typecast as a woman married to a man who has some sort of magical thing happening in his life. <laughs> um, she was just in Doctor Strange this year. So maybe that's why I'm like, you know, she's there around the weird psychotic guy. But you're, I, this sounds, this doesn't sound like a compliment, but I hear what you're saying because I think she plays a normal person very naturally. And so we desperately kind of want Kate to be the coolest, best, like living the best, like this is just a normal person's life type of scenario with her. And so I think you're right. I think she's someone who plays that down to earth quality very effectively. I also imagine like if you lived in the suburbs and one of the other moms was Rachel McFucking Adams, <laughs> It would drive the entire town crazy. They'd be like, oh, my God, like, I can't I can't do the carpool with her or else I'm just like, I'm going to have to get dressed up all the time because she just like looks. <laughs> I just think I, and also the scene like where where Jack is like thinking of cheating on Kate mm. and Jeremy Pivot has to like talk him out of it. And it's like there's not a guy in, you know, the county that wouldn't like cut off his arm to be with this person like. I don't know. I think that's like it, it's it's tricky to kind of cast that kind of role with someone who's like I don't know, like strangely hot. Like also, if you know, I was you know what I mean? if I was Nick Cage, I think I'd be a little more concerned about that conversation because yes, he is talking about cheating on <laughs> he is talking about cheating on his wife. But we find out at the beginning of the movie that Jeremy Piven also thought about having an affair, and so having him be like oh my gosh like you're there isn't a man in our in like our friend group who wouldn't love to be with kate i'd be like dude is everybody talking about it <laughs> yeah you're like you're thinking like if i slip and fall and break my neck was that an accident or did my best friend like cut the step in the ladder the next day, so, people are showing up at their house with casseroles yeah. and trying to fix things for her. You know it. Yeah. Speaking of Jeremy Piven, let's move on to Arnie. Um, uh, I wouldn't say very strange to see Jeremy Piven in this movie, but it's like 30 minutes in and Jeremy Piven is like, oh, he's the best friend. And you're just like, oh, OK. Uh, but he has he drops some incredible one liners in this movie. Like, mm -hmm. um when they're when he's wa when Jack is watching their um, Kate's birthday video or something like that, and he starts he starts going around and I'm gonna ruin this joke, so I just watched <laughs> the movie. Um, but Arnie kind of plays like the weirdly kind of like the the consli cons consigliere to suburbs, basically. You know, yeah. like let me show you how the burbs work. I live behind your house, and uh, when you need me, you come to the fence, and we go to the bar, and we go bowling, and this is what we do, and, mm -hmm. like, don't worry about it, bro. Like, I think that that need for you to have cash in the movie is filled with Arnie. Look, you know, you fit the profile exactly. Your 30s, house, kids, financial responsibilities. You start thinking, this isn't the life I dreamt about. 
Where's the romance, you know? Where's the joie de vivre? Suddenly every lingerie ad in the Newark Star Ledger represents a life that you can't have. And also his daughter, who's like, okay, this is where we go to school. This is what I have to do today. Please be back here at this time. <laughs> an, an ultimate truth about life. Don't be late to pick up your kids. Oh, Absolutely. No, nobody wants to be the last kid picked up. No. Um, um, who did you pick? Uh, I picked uh, Rob McElhaney from Mythic Quest and Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Great choice. A couple reasons. One, he he's a big Philly guy. I was watching a lot of like Welcome to Wrexham and like mm -hmm. his whole, well, not his whole identity, but a lot of his identity comes from growing up in, in, you know, sm a small, not small town, but like in, in a community that I kind of imagine this movie takes place in. Like, mm -hmm. we're like, you know, your neighbors and there's a local bar and like people are kind of characters, but like you, you love being there and you're proud to be there. That's kind of who I sort of saw Arnie as. And someone who is funny and is going to be just deadly honest with you about you acting weird and, and psychotic and, mm -hmm. and trying to step out on your wife or whatever. I also think after watching Wrexham is that we need to get him in more movies because he has a real condition or complex with Ryan Reynolds that we need to we need to boost him a little bit. Like, come on, Rob. You can be in movies too, man. I, I, I think you so can totally funny. be in movies. It is... It definitely, first of all, if you haven't watched Welcome to Wrexham, it is a delight. And it's one of those things where, like, if you were like, I don't really care about soccer. Like, it's just, there's so much more character to the show. Um, no, I think that's a great choice because you're right. Like, he, I mean, he's on It's Always Sunny. Like, his identity is essentially Philly. And uh he has such a connection to what it was like to grow up there that like i think he does ooze that like even as like a hollywood guy like i'm just like your neighborhood dad who loves watching the eagles and going out to my local bar and so there's just a familiarity there that i think is really lovely um yeah i feel like also with arnie like I'll just tell you who I picked and and then why. Uh, I sure. picked Win I picked Winston Duke and maybe this is a little colored by the fact that I just saw Black Panther and I feel like when I see him in that I'm like why are we not seeing him in more things just all the time? I think he's wonderful and I think I was so impressed in us with how he played this dad character that it was, I mean, I think it just, it just makes sense. Like, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know how he's not like, he probably is on like a ton of casting lists um, as like lovely and recognizable because I think he's just such a fun person. And I think the more maybe that we like push the idea that people notice that Jack is being super weird. Like, I just think the more fun you get to have with the movie and the more you make the main character squirm and kind of have to defend himself or even reveal himself and just open the doors for more conflict. And so I can see them having that sort of like 
he won't let they go into his like den or whatever and he like won't let him touch him and ultimately arnie's just like okay whatever you need (laughs) uh i think that's an excellent pick um it it is strange like i was just googling uh winston duke's imdb and it yeah it's like black panther avengers us avengers then two movies I've never heard about, and then Black Panther. Like, he made two movies in 2020. Spencer Confidential. Oh, I did hear about this. I don't know why he hasn't, you know, broken out way more. Like, he is, to me, he is a famous person. Like, yes. He's got three projects coming up The Fall Guy, Marked Man, where he plays Marcus Garvey, and Heroin. Um, you no, know, I think it's an excellent pick. I, 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 I did watch Black Panther recently and I thought he was like the standout performance in that. You know, what's really funny though, is I was having, well, and Angela Bassett was the standout performance, but Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I was having a similar discussion about um, Jonathan majors with someone recently where we were like, man, he just feels like the main character of a movie who is not being cast as like, the main character of a movie or the main character of like a large franchise. And that just feels crazy to me. And then all of a sudden I felt like I kept seeing him pop up and I was like, Whoa, maybe we put it out into the universe. So let's just, (laughs) let's just say like Winston Duke has the energy of someone who is the main character of, of like action comedies, you know, buddy movies. Like we want to see him in there. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, Jonathan Majors was also someone that were like, hey, this guy's really good and stuff. And then it was like, oh, he's going to be in every Marvel movie for the next eight years. And you're like, damn it. Like, can we just have a, 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 a an actor, man or woman? I don't care that like we just enjoy that doesn't do franchises like it's also I, just frustrating. It's almost impossible. But like, now he's going to be like the I maybe that just like weirds me out because he's like the villain in the new creed movie and then like the villain i guess based on what i've read for like this whole series of marvel movies like i don't know for me i was like man this guy has like hero energy and he's playing bad guys yeah i don't know i don't know it's more fun to play bad guys i guess that's probably why um all right let's uh let's end on cash played by don Cheadle, who we've talked about throughout this much like he appeared in the movie throughout this podcast um it was all it, it felt like a really weird thing though to see don Cheadle sort of play like uh you know play to like the stereotype of sort of like i don't know like how do i say this without sounding <laughs> as racist as what I think they portrayed him as like, but I do think like, like I, like I have seen that person in New York city. It's not like that person doesn't exist in New York city, but it just felt weird that it was like, Oh, the angel's going to look like he's a gangbanger and he's going to like show up in the convenience store and have a, and pull a gun out. And it was like, this is insane. It's a really interesting 
double take because watching it now you're like if you had seen this movie for the first time now you'd be like yikes what a terrible way to portray this person and then actually then for the time to have it become this bigger metaphor for like he had to lure him in so he could be like hey man do you really need to carry a gun like (laughs) that actually has like i think a lot of depth to it being like not only did he try to be the hero but he's trying to like save this man um which i think it is a bit of an entrapment Yeah, yeah it is a bit of an entrapment like I, I, the character is playing to a racist stereotype because mm-hmm. he is trying to like confront people with it in a way. Stupid ass white boy in $2,000 suit gets capped trying to be a hero. News at 11. That's what you want to see? You want to see cash up in here? You want me to set it, son? Do you want to die? Do you want to die? Look, I'm talking about a business deal. Okay, I buy the ticket from you for $200. I take it to a store where the guy behind the counter doesn't have a death wish. I just made myself a quick $38. Like I said, it's it's just a business deal. All right. You blew it, B. You blew it. Ticket was real. Damn, you had your chance, too. And I would also say, let's keep context of this movie. This movie came out in 2000. Crash hadn't come out until 2004. So we really didn't understand racism until 2004. No. You know what I mean? We had zero context. We had absolutely no context. Mm. So we'll let it slide. Um, (laughs) Who did you pick for... Who did you pick for cash? I, what I, I will say about the way this role is written currently, it is just perfect to like roll out the, roll out the scroll of your favorite character actors Mm -hmm. and just pick, pick a beautiful, pick a beautiful face off of there, throw them into this movie, have them be a little wacky, a little otherworldly do a little do a little performance within the performance show the judges versatility i think the perfect cash for a reboot of this movie is jason manzukis <laughs> it's really funny that's really great uh just like a weird guy that you meet on the street right just like yeah someone who is just kind of not unsettling, but you just, you're just like, what, who, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, you're just constantly just, God, I can't talk today, but (laughs) I, I love that pick. I love Jason Manzoukas and obviously uh, a comedy King, in my opinion, I think that's great. I'm now thinking of his role in John Wick as like pigeon man or Mm -hmm. what was his name? uh, The TikTok guy. He's TikTok man in John Wick chapter three. TikTok man. Yes. Um, shit. This is a good pick. This is a really good pick. Thank you. Who you got? Uh, 
I went with someone who I kind of was like, all right, I, I still for some reason assumed that this would be in New York City for some reason. So I, I was like, who is someone that I feel like in the way that if you just plucked a random person off New York City, you know, someone who was like part of the tapestry of, I don't know, that, that, those neighborhoods, those streets. Um, and also kind of a weird character actor, you know? Mm -hmm. I picked John Leguizamo. Great. Perfect. 10 out Great. of 10. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I, no notes? I just saw him in... Which, have you seen The Menu? No, not yet. And then oh I, my gosh. Fantastic. I, I have to see that. I IMDb'd him, and it said he was in Violent Night. Yeah, he plays like the bad guy. He's having a whole moment right now oh, of yeah. like project after project being released. But no, like just he is he plays like this very uh egotistical actor in the menu and is just super fun. Like he he is the definition of a character actor. Like he can morph and like remember when he was somebody's dad in like the happening? He can do anything. <laughs> and remember he's abandoned he played, his child to go find his wife? Remember when he played a little person in Moulin Rouge? He can do anything. <laughs> remember when he was Luigi? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I think he's so great. I think that's a great Thank choice. You. Thank you very much. Um, all right. I think that's it for this movie, except for one other person. <gasps> Guys and gals. Where does Barry Pepper go? Uh, a lot of choices, I think, for this one. I don't think any of them are, like, particularly great. Mm. But um, where'd, where'd you put Mr. Pepper? I mean, I, I, I feel like he could have fit into several different places. But I think he would have been a great Alan because of that switch up they do at the end of the movie where he's in a different world. Alan is that more assertive, more go get him aggressive type of business guy. Like, I think that's a fun character to play, to have him be the guy who is having a panic attack at the beginning and then threatening Nick Cage at the end. That was something I was confused about because Jack, uh, goes to do this like finance internship Alan is like a complete like dweeb. <laughs> right? Like he's he it's like his whole life is based on whether or not Jack is in the company. I mean, maybe it's that thing of like if there's a vacuum who fills it, like Oh yeah. Maybe in a world where Jack is there, he's he's intimidated by him and he doesn't you know, go for things the way he would have in a world where he is that person without, you know, this bigger character there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for stretching a reason for, for, <laughs> for my mind. Um, I made Barry Peter Lassiter, like the head of the finance mm -hmm. firm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um I don't need him to really shift. I just like, to me, it's like, if there's just like a powerful figurehead, like walking around. Um, it's easy for me to kind of say like, yeah, he's like the big important head honcho of this thing. And, um, 
I do. We never talked about how Jack gets that interview. Like basically Peter Lasser shows up. He needs a new tire. Mm-hmm. He brings Lasser into his office. He tells him how his company fucked up this deal and is losing out on like $4 billion. Mm-hmm. And is so smooth that he gets to go in and pitch himself to the company for a job in the in like the higher up seat at the table like that that to me was like what that feels like magic it feels like the magic of like in this glimpse he has the opportunity to assume the life he he gets to have have it both ways and does he jump at that opportunity maybe I know our paltry little two million dollars in sales is about what you spend a year on office supplies and some regional trucking company account is nothing compared to a multi-billion dollar merger. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to knock the tire business. It's okay, Ellen. I get it. I'm in your shoes. I'm thinking exactly the same thing. But here's the deal. Business is business. Wall Street, Main Street. It's all just a bunch of people getting up in the morning trying to figure out how the hell they're going to send their kids to college. It's just people. And I know people. Oh, I'm sure you do. Take you, for instance, Alan. You have a certain energy about you. It's an active kind of energy. I wouldn't be surprised if you drank about 16 Diet Cokes a day. You're an excellent father, but you feel guilty about the time you spend away from home. You drink bourbon, but you offer your client scotch. And your wife decorated this office. <laughs> Certainly seems to have your number. I still think this movie, and I still maintain this movie, is a classic, whether or not you poke <laughs> holes in its you know, magic non-rules that they never tell us. Um, I don't know why. I think that, I think it's just sort of the trope of a character facing a mirror around mm-hmm. Christmas time, arcing from a selfless person to a self, a selfish person to a selfless person, I think is always going, it's always going to get me. Like it's always going to hit the right, the right buttons for me. Um, and I think the performance is wonderful. I they don't make movies like this at all. Like a movie called The Family Man about a guy who like lives in the burbs still has like the scale of New York City there. Mm-hmm. Um, the music we need to talk about the music. Danny Elfman scored it. Like yeah. I think it's I think there's just too much quality in it to not watch it every year, not to have it in a rotation of like, oh, you know what? Like I can at least put this on and wrap presents or bake or do something and come into it and enjoy it and leave and not really miss much because like i understand like kind of the whole idea behind it um i think it just came out in a weird time we're like yeah uh, i don't know or maybe it's bad maybe i have bad taste (laughs) i think that it's christmas and if you've seen Love Actually, you know that at Christmas time, you always tell people how you feel. And I just think that it's Christmas and you're allowed to like a bad slash <laughs> mediocre film. Every Everybody's, I don't even, I wouldn't even call this a guilty pleasure. Like, I think it's fine. I just, I think we probably all have our version of this. I saw Last Christmas twice in theaters, so I can't talk, but I don't think this is a classic. Oh my God. (laughs) You willingly saw it twice or you were like, wow, that movie was so bad. I have to take all my my friends to see it with me. I laughed. I cried. I loved it. You laughed, you laughed with it or you laughed at it? It was genuinely funny in a way I could not have expected. 
Wow. Okay. All right. That is that's some news. I don't know how to tell people that that is, I think, will become a cult classic and you should really give it a chance to soak into your heart. But also, I famously read, not famously at all, did predict what was going to happen in the movie months before. And so I was just prepared for the craziness. Um, okay, before we leave, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Hands down. White Christmas. Oh, okay. A very good movie. I mean very heavy Christmas. Like deep set in, in Christmas. Yeah. I uh George C. Scott, A Christmas Carol, which we've also done. We've done mm-hmm. both of those movies on this mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, I rewatched it the other night. Fucking brilliant. No notes. George C. Scott crushes it. Um, Did you see there's a new, like, it's like an animated Scrooge on Netflix? I did. <laughs> and you said, bish posh. And I said, bah, I said, bah humbug. <laughs> um, no, Netflix, it, it looked a little too kiddish, but like Netflix has done some really interesting Chris, uh, animation stuff. One, one Christmas movie on Netflix I really enjoy is Klaus. If you haven't seen Klaus, oh, I, I do. That. that has been on my list, and I just have not committed to it. Um, um, I will yeah. also say, if you're looking there, I am not kidding when I say that Christmas rom coms and Christmas movies are having a moment on streaming. So if you're looking for holiday stuff to watch, and I'm not even saying like Hallmark type movies, I think movies that are like a little bit hokey but ultimately super fun you can find tons of those the Lindsay lohan christmas movie on netflix is super duper fun and she's great at oh, it falling for christmas yeah it is not as horrible as i thought and she's looking this this sounds really <laughs> problematic because i think i've spent most of this podcast talking about women's looks uh <laughs> which was not my intention but like honestly like she looks really good she looks like like healthy i mean like healthy yeah um, and and like, she's funny. She's yes. like good in the movie. You definitely get the oh, this is why we love watching her in movies vibe. Like she yes. is, she is doing a great job. Uh, just to wrap things up, would you remake this movie? I already know your answer. No, I think I think we're all good over here. <laughs> and we're in agreement. I think this is a. Uh, this is perfectly fine where it is, but uh, enjoy the one we have. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Let's enjoy the one we have. And Henry Cavill and fans of Henry Cavill, let's enjoy the time <laughs> of Superman that we had. For better or worse, what we got. Let's the just family man definitely it. has, we have food at home energy. And this is the food at home. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have an It's a Wonderful Life at home. We don't have to go see the other one. (laughs) It's a Wonderful Life is like two and a half hours. This is a quick 86 minutes. That feels insane to me because it felt like it took me three hours to watch this movie. All right. Well, we'll choose better movies next year. (laughs) Um, All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Rebooted. Uh, Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please check out our past episodes. Tell your friends and family about it. We will be back next year. Who knows? Kenna might still be in Kentucky. I might still be unemployed. So we might be cranking out a few more of these. Yeah. Um, so uh, just you subscribe and bad for the, us. Great for you. Great for you. Uh, Kenna, where can the people find us? 
You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and a review. That's the best way to help us out. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, tell your lovers, tell the angel who's trying to get you to be a better person. You can also find us on social media at Rebooted Pod everywhere. I should really, uh, I should really get back on that social media thing, shouldn't I? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I'm not on it at all. It's fine. Um, all right, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Have a great new year, and we'll see you next time. God bless us, everyone. I've definitely ended a podcast like that, probably. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> That I needed in this world You are the one for me One for me Let me hold you in my arms Girl, and thrill you with my charms I'm sure you will see You will see The things I am saying are true sport. Shot the rapids in Kenai. You ran with the bulls in Pamplona. You jumped out of an airplane over the Mojave Desert. For Christ's sake, you can do this. You can do this.